0: Welcome to Woman's Journal 2.0. Brought to you by Equal Means Equal. I'm Wendy Murphy, an impact litigator specializing in the constitutional and civil rights of women and children. And I'm Kamala Lopez, an artist and
1: activist. And we are here to connect, educate, and mobilize women
0: and our allies in the new movement to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. Hi everybody, welcome to Welcome. welcome to the Women's Journal 2.0. I'm here, Wendy Murphy here with Camilla Lopez Hi, from Kamala. Equal Means Equal. Uh we haven't been here for a while and for My very God. good reason. For very it's good reason. It's
1: been almost well, no, it's been since Jan- before the 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 ratification of Equal Rights Amendment in Virginia, which was January twenty-seventh of twenty twenty. So imagine all the craziness that has happened between episode 7 and episode 8 because Yeah and and, eight.
0: and let's be very clear we had a little bit going on between then and now that Do kept us kept us quite busy. Yeah, and we should catch people up because it wasn't just COVID, although that certainly contributed to some of our inability to get together and you know kind of prioritize the podcast as opposed oh, to Oh, but
1: we've been getting together healthy. because uh Attorney General William Barr sent a memorandum opinion letter to the Archivist of the United States um strongly directing him not to publish the ERA. Yeah. Mindy, tell I mean, us well, why that's some
0: bullshit. <laughs> and 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 let's even back up a little bit before that because, um, you know we at Equal Means Equal have known for years that this day was going to come when we were going to have to file a lawsuit in court to force some government official somewhere to do something to make sure ERA got its place in the in the Constitution as the 28th Amendment and was not uh, waylaid by either a court decision or some government officials stamp of, of disapproval. We knew this was going to happen. What we didn't know years ago was exactly how we were going to get waylaid and who was going to interfere with our efforts. Um, and we found out pretty quickly about a year, almost a year ago, uh, what that what that apparent plan was when the archivist of the United States, whose job it is to publish amendments when they become law, uh, signaled, this is before the attorney general, Bill Barr, um, did what he did that you just made reference to. The archivist said in anticipation of Virginia becoming the 38th state to ratify, uh, he said publicly, I'm not going to do anything until I hear from William Barr. So we knew that was trouble. And, uh, why do you
1: think he said that, Wendy? Do you think he was just scared he was going to get fired if he did his job? Because he had already published a Nevada, he had already published Illinois. He already gave a letter in 2012 saying that if the 38th state was reached, he would publish the amendment. So why do you think he suddenly got this cold? Is it part of the cowardice that's infecting the entire United States government?
0: Well, I think it's a couple of um, It's It's possible he was concerned about his job, but I think more likely is he got a call because There is no explanation for why the archivist, David Ferrero, who's been in power for many years and, by the way, was appointed by Obama, there's no explanation for why he would, on his own, just declare, oh, by the way, I don't think I'll bother to publish the ERA if Virginia becomes the last necessary state to ratify. As you said, it was inconsistent with what he had been saying prior to that, including as recently as 2012 um, when he announced that he would publish it when the last state ratified. And then in 2017 and 2018, when Nevada and Illinois ratified, he published their votes. So there was no indication from the archivist himself that we were gonna face any barriers from him. And yet he makes this announcement uh, almost a year ago that he's not going to publish the ERA until he hears from William Barr. Obviously, we knew when we heard that we were in trouble because William Barr (laughs) could not be expected to support the ERA. Uh, And and we filed a lawsuit, uh, which which we did in anticipation of William Barr being um, hostile to the ERA. And we were right. And here's a really interesting series of dates. We filed our lawsuit on January uh, 7th and... It was in Boston, uh, in federal court in Massachusetts, in, in in the courthouse in Boston, and not surprisingly, because you know we had our big press conference in Boston on the seventh and announced what we were doing and basically made clear that we intend to use this lawsuit to make sure that when Virginia ratifies, which was going to happen later that month, uh, everyone's on on board with with the idea that it that the ERA then becomes the the twenty eighth Amendment period. Um, We knew there'd be some problems from Barr, but what we didn't realize was it was the very next day. Remember, we filed on January 7th. It was January 8th that the Attorney General William Barr released this memorandum saying, we hereby declare that the ERA is not law because the last states that have ratified at that time Virginia hadn't. But basically what they said was uh, the deadline on ratification had long ago expired. And that it didn't matter, basically, what Virginia did. Why that's interesting is because William Barr released that memorandum on the 8th, which was the day after our lawsuit was filed. But he he um, predated it, the 6th, which I think is hysterical. It's like it's almost like they're the, such cheaters. They well, just. That, tried to they cheat. Were so, Why did that help them? Because it created the appearance that they didn't release the memorandum in response to our lawsuit, which of course they did because um, it was the day after. But God forbid they should give please. any um, attention to or validation uh, to our lawsuit. They pretended that it was actually dated January sixth, but it didn't come out until the eighth. And a lot of reporters at that time who reached out to me said, why would they why would they date?" a memorandum that they agreed didn't come out until the 8th. And when a government release, when the government releases something, that's the date it gets, right? If it's out on the 8th, it gets the 8th. They were asking me, why would the government put a date that's two days earlier than the day it came out? And I said, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with the fact that we just filed our lawsuit yesterday. (laughs) So in a way it's like, I liked it because it showed that we were getting um, you know, we were doing something that was important and powerful and they were trying very hard to distract public attention from what we were doing up in Boston. And um and yet, well, and yet
1: so so but after immediately
0: thereafter,
1: um or not immediately thereafter, but soon thereafter, um there was another lawsuit filed. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that lawsuit? Because I think people are a bit confused. um and i just want to say there are two lawsuits going on there's our lawsuit which was filed on january 7th and there was another lawsuit filed
0: when wendy that lawsuit was filed in february i don't have the date in front of me but but the order of events is and this is important um in December, let me go backwards a little. In December, as I said, the archivist issues this kind of strange statement that he's not going to publish the ERA if and when Virginia ratifies, which was everyone anticipated was going to happen in January of 2020. Um, following that, um, uh, some governors, some attorneys general, I should say, from uh, some unratified states filed a lawsuit in um Alabama in Alabama I was going to say Tennessee uh, but Tennessee was involved uh, a lawsuit was filed in Alabama against the ERA and in support of the archivist's statement that the ERA should not be published so that lawsuit came first how was did
1: December. they even know that the archivist was making this statement
0: it was a public statement. In December, the archivist said publicly, uh, again, in December of 2019, the archivist issued a statement saying, if and when Virginia ratifies, I will not publish until I hear from the Attorney General of the United States, the Department of Justice. So that came first. The second thing was the lawsuit in Alabama. The next thing that happened was our lawsuit. And our lawsuit was filed in, t- to some extent to to fight back against the Alabama lawsuit because I we were going to be damned if we were going to let anti-ERA attorneys general um, control the issue in a court that was clearly going to be unsympathetic to us. And, um, and we, we know Ala- Alabama has not ratified. Case.
1: Correct, Wendy? We tried to intervene in the Alabama case
0: or no, at least make a statement?
1: No, we did. Leanne Luttrell did intervene
0: yeah a different group did did inter- did try to intervene. They never actually intervened um because there was an interesting question. What do we do with the Alabama suit? Do we participate it? Do we participate in it in a way that would sort of force us to play defense and and let the other side control the issue and have the issue be decided in a hostile jurisdiction? Alabama was not going to be friendly to the e r a or do we file our own lawsuit in a in a friendlier jurisdiction in Massachusetts? Um, and, um, if anything, worst case scenario, get one good decision against one bad decision. And that was our strategy. Let's file as fast as we can in Massachusetts so that Alabama isn't in control of the issue. And there did come a question and it, there came a time when the question was debated. Should we also intervene in yes. Alabama? But, um, Cause it I think it's going to be so much fun. <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> In a very weird way, it is fun. Um, but uh, there was talk pretty quickly that the Alabama case was uh, was not going to go anywhere for a very good reason, for an interesting legal reason. There wouldn't have been enough what we call controversy between the parties. In other words, because the attorneys general were suing the archivist, but they basically agreed, you don't have a controversy. If If I sue you and we both agree on the result, there's no controversy and so under possess them to bother
1: doing that anticipating because, that we would be involved on the other side
0: no no i think that they did it probably in the hope that they could quickly get the judge to rule that the era was dead and that the archivist shouldn't publish it and they thought they could do that quickly because they agreed with each other so they could in a sense <laughs> I know, but it's a nice way to win a law. It's an easy way to win a lawsuit when the other side agrees with you, right? (laughs) Uh, But, and they tried to do exactly that. And I'll tell you what happened, which was clever, but didn't exactly work. They filed papers soon after that lawsuit was filed. They filed papers saying to the judge, since we basically agree with the archivist that the ERA cannot be published and is not valid, we would like the judge you your honor to issue an order agreeing with us and forbidding publication of the of the equal rights amendment Snape. and then and then something funny happened which was that another a, a women's rights group inter, filed a motion to intervene this in is that Leanne lawsuit Leanne
1: Latrell in Oregon correct yes
0: yep leanne's group tried to intervene um and their point was, we we have to intervene because we want to give some va- some voice to the interest that isn't being re- reflected here, which is, is the interest exactly. of women. We
1: even talked to Leanne about doing that together. We even talked to her husband, who was an attorney. I believe you talked to him too. At length, we, yeah. We were all going to do this together, and then suddenly Leanne stopped talking to us. Yeah, it was so weird. It that is weird. Her
0: sense. It, it was very weird because so because I I spoke with uh, her husband at length. He's a very influential lawyer from a very influential law firm. They do mostly conservative litigation, which is interesting because it doesn't come across as a feminist law firm at all. But but he promised me that this was something that they felt strongly about, in part because of Leanne, but also this was just an issue they believed in. So I I went along with it and said, okay, let's let's butt into the Alabama lawsuit and see what we can do to at least stop them from getting the court to quickly make a bad decision against the ERA. So when they filed a motion to intervene, by the time they filed a motion to intervene, they had stopped talking to us, which was unfortunate. Um, But I kept monitoring the case and I, and I participated in, I called in to some of the, one of the court hearings, the, I think it was the only one they had. um, And the judge basically said, uh, there's no need for me to decide the motion to intervene because it looks like the parties are going to agree with each other that this case should be resolved and dismissed, basically dismissed, um, with a ruling by me, the court, uh, agreeing with them. And, 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 and they sort of try to do that. So the judge, uh, now gets a motion asking the court to issue a decision saying both parties agree the ERA is dead and does not have to be Uh, published. And um, Leanne's husband's firm made the argument, which was a smart thing to do, that the court couldn't do that, that if both parties agree that they don't disagree, then you don't have a legal controversy and the court can't just manufacture a ruling. You have to have a controversy.
1: That would would basically be turning the court
0: into the Congress. In a way, uh, more so. Yeah, let's just make some laws that we want to make. Yeah that's, yeah, that's not a bad way to think about it, Cam, because um, that was, in a sense, what they were asking the court to do. But the judge didn't go for it. The judge said, when the parties agree to dismiss a case, I can't write my own opinion about anything. All I can do is say, OK, you want to dismiss your case? OK. The court just says, OK. Um, so the court didn't write anything or issue a decision on about the ERA, and that was helpful. However... The next thing that happened, or it, and it, this happened actually before the court uh, uh, dismissed the case, um, another lawsuit was filed in federal court in DC, and that was filed by the attorney generals of Virginia, uh, Illinois, and Nevada. They jointly filed a lawsuit also against the archivist, and their lawsuit was exactly like ours in the sense that they made the same claims, they made the same allegations, and they made the same arguments about the ERA is valid now that Virginia has ratified, um, and the archivist has to publish it because that's what the law says. So once that got filed, the Alabama people, the folks involved in the Alabama case, dismissed that case, and then the anti-ERA attorneys general that had filed that case joined in against the attorney generals from, um, Virginia, Illinois, and Nevada. And, and so they moved, basically moved their lawsuit into someone else's lawsuit, uh, joined with the DC case and opposed, uh, what, what, what they were arguing and made the same points, you know, that, that the deadline has expired, the ERA is dead and so forth. And that case is still pending. What's interesting is, um, It's very interesting to me that at that point, there were two lawsuits, ours in federal court in Massachusetts and the DC case, both making the same arguments about why the ERA is valid and um, both making the same arguments about why women as a class um, have a right to the ERA being published because there's a special law, no matter what you think of the constitutional stuff, there's a statute called one uh, uh, b In other words, it's one U.S. code. So it's a federal law, chapter one of the U.S. code at section 106B that says, whenever three-fourths of the states have ratified and the archivist is notified that the last of the three-fourths of the states has ratified, an amendment must be published, period. That's what it says. And so it doesn't say the archivist can discuss with himself or someone else whether to publish or he can think about it or he can. No, there's no discretion. It's a mandatory, non-discretionary law. You have to publish. And uh, again, so the the lawsuit in D.C. was exactly like ours and that we said to our judge and they said to their judge, there's no choice. The archivist has to publish, period, end of discussion. The archivist has to publish. And, um, but their case kind of fell off the rails. and I, I'm not sure why Their case literally went from, um, you know, all these filings and motions and all this to completely dead in the water. And you know, it's a lot of speculation about the fact that their case was intended to be political to try to help generate the women's vote to to support Democrats for the November elections. Um, ours, of course, was not at all political. We had no partisan involvement by anybody because we're not politicians. We're not attorneys general. Our lawsuit was filed by Equal Means Equal, um, a women's rights group that focuses exclusively on equality and the ERA. Um, the Yellow Roses, a high school group based in Massachusetts that has the same agenda just get the ERA done. And then we had a, an individual female who had suffered sex discrimination as a victim of 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 assault gender-based assault uh and she was also a plaintiff in our case is also a plaintiff in our case arguing that without era in place she faces an increased risk of violence because she's female so our case was all about females filed by females on behalf of females to try to make the point that women as a class have a right to equality under the constitution. And the ERA is something we've been fighting for, for I don't know, 250 years. And we've done all this hard work and the archivist promised he would publish and he just didn't follow through on that promise. And now here we are in limbo with one government official in Washington DC with no discretionary authority to do so, taking the power into his own hands as if he is the king of the world and refusing to publish the ERA that is deeply anti-democratic, completely inconsistent with the rule of law, unconstitutional in the most basic and important sense of the word. And and our lawsuit was all about, you've got to be kidding me. Make this guy do his job. And what I've noticed,
1: though, Wendy, because I recently, um, I want to give a shout out to, to former Senator Russ Feingold for his support of Equal Means Equal and his support of our position um, that ERA is uh, uh, the 28th Amendment and that it needs to be published. Um, One of the things that um, has been going on Wait a minute. Now I'm lost. Get, tell, tell me what you were
0: just saying that made me think of this. Well, just that, you know, women as a class. Have oh, what right.
1: like I've been noticing when I've been doing these talks is that the other side, the solicitor general in the Virginia, um, D.C. case, who's a lovely, brilliant woman, Michelle, um, she always says that their lawsuit is not about women's rights. She says that in their argument. She says because they are focused on the issue of the overreach of of the federal government on states' rights and how that affects the Tenth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And what bothers me is that here we are on the cusp of something that actually affects women's lives, of potentially changing the lives of the very least of us, the ones suffering the most oppression and discrimination, and the people that are in power of whether that lives or dies, with the exception of us, don't actually seem to understand Understand. the the visceral nature of this fight. They seem to think it's some abstraction, some states' rights issues, some federal rights issues, some amendatory process issues, and I see a lot of lawyers very involved and entertained in these wonderful intellectual discussions. And then I see how five women are dying every single day at the hands of an intimate partner or spouse, and I see how Latinas are making 44 cents on the dollar, and I see how they're trying to remove birth control access for the entire female population. And I think, oh my gosh, I'm sure your intellectual conversations are fantastic. And please have them at the bar, you know, uh, at your legal conferences. But this is about women and women's lives and women's rights and women's equality and all people's equality. And I don't want it to become a dry dissertation that can easily as you said be frittered away and now we're all focused on why are we all focused on that lawsuit that lawsuit is completely controlled by men the highest level female in that lawsuit is michelle and she's not even the top dog in it even and and she's not a plaintiff she's not a
0: plaintiff she's just a lawyer
1: and that's what the lawyers i'm saying the whole thing smacks of the meta problem and this is what i yeah. found every step of the way is not only are we fighting discrimination oppression inequality but the exact the frame within which we're fighting it is those very things the everything about it everything about the atmosphere the fact that we are having a discussion about women that is not respecting the women in the discussion yeah, part of This is sidelined, is well, marginalized, is invisibilized. Yeah. That is part of the meta of a, a thing that is going on with this entire thing. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, I, I hear you.
0: I hear you, and I, and I do. You know, as you know, I lecture a lot about um, the in- invisibilizing of women because it's a, it, ha- it occurs in so many different ways, and I do think the structure of their lawsuit is part of that invisibilization. Um, both because uh, all of the plaintiffs uh, and all of the defendants are men, which is not, you know, it didn't go over my head that it was all men. Of course, they they plopped a female token lawyer to get involved in it because I think they knew the optics were bad. But also- And let tur- me
1: tell you, she's a great lawyer and she's a
0: she- great person and, and I don't wanna besmirch her in any way. But but she's a token, she's a token and she was plopped in that position on purpose because they knew the optics were bad and that it was wrong to have this be about all these other things and not women. But the reason I, I wanna emphasize one thing about this um, and, it, and it also highlights why our lawsuit is so different even though we make all the same arguments is that um the attorneys general don't actually have authority to speak for women as a class they can't so it's not just that they don't they can't they don't have standing they don't have authority an attorney general is only allowed to sue in the name of the interests of their state and so they can argue for example we have a right to have our our uh, ratification vote recognized that's an interest that the state has and they can sue about that Um, And that's why I think their case has that dry feel to it and doesn't have the passion and the representation of women's voices that it ought to have. Uh, Whereas ours is, I mean, we do make 10th Amendment arguments, let's be clear. I mean, I'm as capable as any of their lawyers uh, of making those. You're so
1: much more capable than any of their lawyers. Uh,
0: Well, no, but the point is I can make those arguments about the amendatory process and states' rights uh, as anybody can. Um, and I do make them because I don't care if the reason we win is because the court eventually decides that the national government should not usurp the equal authority of the states to participate in the amendatory process. And, and
1: I don't do, have a they, problem they, with it, Wendy. I just have a problem if that's the focus.
0: No, I agree. But what I'm saying is the reason our lawsuit is different and in my view better is because it it has both the impassioned women-focused leadership and the plaintiffs are all female and it speaks in a female voice about the suffering of females. I mean, our case and our briefs is just filled with all the statistics you could ever want about how much suffering females endure because they are female as a direct result of being subjected to second-class citizenship under the 14th Amendment. We go into a lot of detail and they don't at all, which I find...
1: we get dismissed for lack of standing and they don't
0: because what is going on well so yeah so let's let's you know catch people up on exactly what happened with our case which i think helps to further shine a light on this question of, of invisibilizing that happens all the time to women whenever they try to rise up, whenever they try to give themselves a seat at the table, the chair gets pulled out. And one of the ways the, chairs get, the chair gets pulled out is by uh, misuse of the so-called standing doctrine. What does standing mean? It means, do you have a right to sue because you've suffered some sort of injury? That's really what standing means. Um, you can go to court and sue as a human being, uh, whenever you've suffered an injury that the court recognizes as a, a legitimate legal injury. When we went to court, we said women have suffered an injury because the archivist refused to publish the ERA because of two things, things—one, at least two things. One is uh, we now have to endure the pain of second-class citizenship and, and lack of equal protection of the law uh, under the 14th Amendment, Because that is our current status, and so long as the archivist refuses to publish the ERA, he is perpetuating that second-class status, which exposes us to a higher risk of violence. And the other argument is simply that women as a class um, suffered when the archivist refused to do his job because uh, no one except women as a class stood to gain from him doing his job. So, you know, we're not just suffering more violence. We also suffered the indignity of having this single member of the federal government, the archivist, uh, just take it upon himself to refuse to do his job, knowing full well that if he chose not to publish the RA, he was going to be hurting a very clear, clearly identified class of people, females. Why are females suffering and no one else because of his refusal to publish the area because only in addition addition, all the attorneys
1: general and all the states have not uh, done what they needed to do because they have a two-year window right um in the equal rights amendment to take a look at their state laws take a look at their policies and see whether um they are discriminating on the basis of sex Yeah. the fact that the archivist put the stall on it means that we're a year behind already. At uh, least, and, you yeah.
0: Know. Yeah, and that, you know, as you know, many years ago when I came up with that theory about how we were going to get standing in this case, I pointed out um, uh, and and lectured on this many times in Washington and Virginia and, you know, in so many different places that – Although the ERA doesn't take effect until two years after the last the state last ratifies, which for us wouldn't be until January, the end of January 2022, the reason there's a two-year delay in the ERA's um, effectiveness and enforceability is precisely so. The states and the federal government officials responsible for laws, regulations, and policies have the time they need to fix laws, regulations, and policies to bring them into compliance with the ERA because if they don't bring them into compliance then in January 2022 lawyers like me are going to run into court and start suing them for having discriminatory laws, regulations and policies. So to stop people from filing those lawsuits, the ERA explicitly in its own language gives the states and the federal government 2 years to comply. So our lawsuit made this argument that that women are entitled to have government officials begin that repair work because the only people who stand to benefit from that repair work are females. Why are only females situated to benefit from that repair work of the laws, regulations, and policies? Because only females were excluded from the 14th Amendment in 1869. And people forget that sometimes. Like, why are women fighting for equality? What the hell don't they have anyway? Well, you go back to 1869, and it's very clear. hanging out with? Yeah. And well, shit like that. Well, I don't hang out with them for long once they ask stupid questions like that. (laughs) But, you know, if you just know a tiny, tiny bit about our history, especially the the Civil War stuff, which is so critical to an understanding of our basic rights as Americans, you know that the 14th Amendment came along during what are called the Civil War Amendments Uh, in the late 1800s after the Civil War ended, the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendments were passed Uh, To bring the country together and to make clear that the the South and the North were equal and the same. And, you know, we were not going to have slavery and um, there was not going to be this um, this. In, the, in, in our constitution we were not going to have any tolerance for the idea that some types of people were unequal compared to others well when they when they passed the 14th amendment to do exactly that they the 14th amendment contained important provisions about due process and equal protection basically equal rights for all and it was an important guarantee that messaged people after the civil war uh there'll be no more fighting about about some people being better or worse or more valuable or less valuable than others, and unfortunately, the Fourteenth Amendment intentionally and quite explicitly excluded women from that promise. And we've been fighting ever since to fix the Fourteenth Amendment, and that's all the ERA does: is it points out that women should never have been excluded, but they were, and it's about time, uh, more than a hundred years later, that we that we put, you know, plug that hole make everybody truly equal and stop you know stop complaining about well well what is so bad about being a female in america that that you have to have a special rights called the ERA we're not asking for special rights we're just saying fix the damn 14th amendment so we Let can have basic have, equal rights here. basic due process basic equal protection they Isn't say. there a story
1: about how it said race or sex and then until, until 2 weeks before the vote and then they somebody said, "Oh, those last two words got to
0: go." What's the what was the story with that? Well, there was an original proposal to mention both race and sex, but um in part, I mean, I I hate to say it because Frederick Douglass was was friendly with um a lot of feminists at the time who were fighting for all sorts of things as were uh, blacks. And it, you know, in many ways we were fighting together for the same sorts of things, right? Women weren't citizens. Women were, women were stuff. I mean, blacks were property, but women were kind of nothing. And we were, we were both nothing, but slavery was permitted in our constitution and that needed to be repaired. But women were again, invisible a whole lot of nothingness and we both wanted to become recognized as equal in the 14th amendment and frederick douglass actually played a role in preventing that from happening because he spoke publicly about not giving women the right to vote including black women i mean why he, why uh, well i'm sure the pressure was coming from white men and they were probably trying to make a deal with him because he spoke for a large class of people and I'm sure I'm sure some of it was just him getting phone calls from politicians saying if you want blacks to have freedom and if you want blacks to have the right to vote, you have to you have to make clear Throw women that, under that, the that, bus. That's exactly right. That's
1: the history of the entire
0: world. <laughs> yeah. It's just throw women under the bus, let them we'll, down. Yeah, and we'll give you some cookies. And, and you know, I'm sure he didn't agree with that, but he did what he had to do. And then women were, were racist in response during suffrage. You know, a lot of white women became yes, yes. very racist in their rhetoric um, and made deals. I think a lot of people talk about uh, how women won the right to vote and when they eventually did in 1920, as a lot of people know, because we've had so much uh, discussion of that this year in our 100th anniversary, it was all about Tennessee being the last, at that time, 36th state Because we didn't have Alaska or Hawaii yet, but um, uh, Tennessee became the last of the 38th, the last of the three-fourths of the states to ratify, and there were all kinds of deals going on in Tennessee. And people talk about how there was one guy whose mother wrote him a note and said, be a good boy and support women's suffrage. That's a bunch of bullshit. The real thing is... Absolute bullshit. The oh. real reason women got Tennessee and won suffrage is because uh, the the women's, the I don't want to say um, the women's um, party, but the people in power who were purporting to speak for women as a class at that time, made a deal with the South. And they agreed that if Tennessee voted in favor of suffrage, they would stop fighting against Jim Crow laws in the South. Oh, and that's, how, that's, that's how we got, it's very ugly. It's very
1: ugly, but We're it's seeing also- the ripple effects of that now in this ERA fight where a lot of the women of color that I work with um, have a great deal of suspicion yeah. for the white women that have been at the helm of this movement and have again, thrown women of color under the bus. And you know what? Um, I feel like and, and I've certainly experienced it, Wendy, being in this movement as a woman of color and uh, sort of seen as an interloper. It's highly uncomfortable, yep. um, but I feel like we have to just be strong and loud and move the ball Forward. Now is not the time to retreat in fear. And I want to bring this up to say that we, at Equal Means Equal, are launching a campaign on Monday, uh, on Monday, which will be the 23rd of November of 2020, which is called #PublishERA, because now that the incoming Biden administration, Biden-Harris administration, is putting their team together and they're coming in on January 20th, and the anniversary of the ratification in Virginia is January 27th, Um, I'm suggesting, and Equal Means Equal is suggesting, along with our allies and supporters, that they simply direct the archivists to publish ERA as was required when it happened, like you said, by that a, B, one, oh, two, Q, X. You know, we should get B. t-shirts made. One, oh, six,
0: B, yeah. One,
1: oh, six, B, baby. <laughs> do it. So we're, we're starting this video uh, pressure campaign to send the entire team. And it's a congratulations, Biden-Harris. Congratulations for coming in. We look forward to working with you. The very first thing you can do simply to acknowledge, respect, and appreciate the support that women and our allies gave you in this last election is to simply direct the archivist to do his job that he was willing to do, that we have a letter that he would do, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's a simple phone call. So I um, enlist everyone to make a video. Um, If you go to equalmeansequal.org, you will find a little paragraph there um, of what you should say, which is essentially... Hey Biden Harris, please direct the archivists to publish the Equal Rights Amendment on January twenty-seventh. Because in a way, Wendy, if that happens, um, does that mean that our lawsuit is essentially done because
0: we won? Right? Yeah. Well, we partly win. If that happens, we partly win. And that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, let me so let me explain a couple things that you that you talked about there. One is uh, this idea that it's very simple for the archivist to just publish. I, I couldn't agree more. It's um, its a ministerial task. It's a phone call from the president because he is the head of the executive branch to the archivist who is his subordinate. He picks up the phone, Mr. Ferrero, publish the ERA, please, just do it because you're supposed to do it, period, end of discussion. It's not like the Department of Justice or Bill Barr, or whoever takes over the Department of Justice, can somehow punish David Ferrero. They can't, even though the, the we know that uh, that William Barr's office issued an opinion letter saying Ferrero should not publish the ERA because of the deadline. Um, that does not have any power whatsoever over the authority of the President of the United States to pick up the phone and tell a subordinate in the executive branch to do his damn job. So that's what we're calling for. It's very simple. Now, let me add a caveat. Just because the archivist publishes the ERA doesn't mean it becomes automatically valid. Now, to me, it does create a presumption of validity because once something is published in the law books, uh, people have a right to see it use it and enforce it as valid but but make no mistake our anti-era opponents will run into court in a hot minute and try to get judges in hostile jurisdictions especially in the south to issue injunctions and other kinds of orders um, forbidding the states and or the national government officials from enforcing the era or as we talked about earlier Beginning that process of changing laws, regulations, and policies that are sex discriminatory in nature. So it's not do like. Do you really
1: think there's going to be a landslide of injunction, injunctions of anti-equality morons that are going to file all these things? What? Yes. They have nothing better to do? Why yes. do they bother?
0: Because they don't want women to have equality. And the the states where this will happen will be the states that have continued to refuse to ratify. And they're almost entirely in the South. They'll absolutely do it. 100%. Just like they did a year ago when they went to court to try to win a judge's order, um, telling the archivist not to publish. I mean, yes, there's a lot of anti-ERA sentiment in this country. It's mostly in the South. And uh it's sad but true that they will they will use the politics of this election and the hostility um in particular to probably go to court over any damn thing they can that is anti-equality because that you know there's a really bad ideological gap in this country with some people saying equality is 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 bad for us and obviously a vast majority of people saying <laughs> it's about as American as red, white, and blue, that we all should have the same rights, duh. Um, so I, I do think that it's simple, and I I am I, I'm a little worried that we haven't already heard from the Biden-Harris campaign that they support the ERA or plan to do anything about it. No, of, we
1: have because I looked up and and I'm I'm really excited to say that 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 I can read you something that they put on their website. Um, they said, they said on uh, Joe Biden .com/backslash Women's Agenda. They say now that Virginia has become the 38th state to ratify the ERA, Biden will proudly advocate for Congress to recognize that the three fourths of the states have ratified the amendment and take action so our constitution makes clear that any government related discrimination against women is unconstitutional
0: so take- that's a bunch of bu- that's a bunch of buzzwords and it's not even remotely good enough come on let's be honest that agenda has been in place for months and when it came out i was very very critical of it because it doesn't say anything of meaning first of all to say Biden's women's agenda is going to make the ERA a reality because he's going to ask Congress to vote to approve it. Two problems with that. One, we don't necessarily agree that Congress has to approve the ERA. So why would Biden concede that point? We have made the argument, and I think it's a reasonable one, that it's the courts that ultimately decide whether an amendment is valid. The courts are the highest authority of the three branches of government. The courts always from the beginning of our country, the courts have determined um, what the Constitution means and and whether it has been amended correctly. It's always been the role of the judicial branch of government. So I completely disagree with Joe Biden's statement there that he needs to go to Congress to get Congress to issue some kind of approval of the ERA. That's not correct. That is not correct. The second thing he says is he's going to work to ensure that discrimination is unconstitutional. Discrimination is already unconstitutional. So that's a bunch of weasel words right there by, by Biden. Uh, discrimination yeah. is all, against women is already unconstitutional. It's just subject to a lesser form of legal scrutiny than race discrimination, discrimination based on religion, national origin, and so forth. So so for him to say he's going to promise to make sure that sex discrimination is um, is unconstitutional. He's not promising anything we don't already have. And if he really cared about this issue, he would have said that it is subjected to the, that he's gonna make sure it is subjected to the highest degree of judicial scrutiny, because that's what's at stake for us. We already have middle tier crappy scrutiny when we suffer sex discrimination, which is to say when you are discriminated against because you're female and you go to court to complain about it or file a lawsuit, All the suffering you've gone through is essentially going to be upheld as lawful uh, so long as it passes through what's called intermediate scrutiny, which is a pretty wide chasm. I mean, a lot of sex discrimination is is allowed under intermediate or middle tier scrutiny. If, on the other hand, you suffered discrimination based on race, the same exact type of discrimination, but it was based on your race instead of your sex, when you go to court to complain about it, you win. You win like that, because very little, if any, discrimination is tolerable under the constitutional standard of strict scrutiny. So I I don't agree with you that Biden's language there is um, helpful at all. I think it's weasel words, very classic weasel words, but but I hope I'm wrong.
1: Wendy Murphy, it's helpful because if you take the position that I am an earnest individual, that is going to give that person the benefit of the doubt, take it on face value, I'm going to go ahead and say that is wonderful. And because you believe that, you are going to direct the archivist to publish the amendment. I agree with that. Because that is the implication of your words. I am not here to decipher the underlying agenda that may or may not be uh you know, against me, I am simply there to take you at your word and push you in the right direction yeah, and that's how and and also Wendy Murphy, people that are not as deep in the rabbit hole um <clears throat> that need to want to do something to promote uh unity, positivity, and equality will understand that this is another step in acknowledging that. Do you see what I mean? It makes do- it easier for someone to be willing to make a video or make a public statement to publish
0: ERA because it says right there that he's for it. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with plan. you, Cam. I don't disagree with you I, because where where I completely am on board with this plan is that we should use whatever words we can get out of the Biden camp against him at least at this point to say if you actually mean what you appear to mean you will do this i agree i'm just saying to people who might wonder why he doesn't do it maybe you know maybe you feel so strongly about this and uh you spend your energy and then january comes and women's rights are nowhere Nowhere on the agenda. And he never says anything and nothing happens. Just I want people to understand that sometimes when you think about women's rights in particular, it's very important to be to step back and be nonpartisan and to focus only on your issue. Right. And not just get sucked away by either side, even though even though I think it's pretty obvious that for women's rights these days, the Democrats are a lot better than the Republicans. There have been a lot of good Republicans that have worked with us, that have favored the area, that helped us get it done in Illinois, as you know, because you were there. Um, And women's rights have never really lent themselves to to a left-right battleground. They just haven't. So that's one of the reasons we when when women were struggling to win suffrage, which took them decades, uh, the only way they got it done was to create their own party. They, they created their own woman's party. They made their own newspaper. They said, we give up on this two party bullshit because it's not helping us. We're getting batted back and forth like a ping pong. We're gonna do our own thing. And once they did that, once they created their own woman's party and took care of their own PR, their own media, uh, they created a massive, massive show of force And neither party could get away with keeping them quiet and they ended up winning, as you know, winning the right to vote. And then they canceled the Women's Party. And that's one of the reasons we created this podcast as Women's Party 2.0, to make it clear to people who are interested in understanding What's wrong with this country that it isn't doing a better job with basic human equality for women? Uh, we want them to know, just from the name of this podcast alone, that it's the absence well, it's of. it's called Women's
1: Journal 2.0, though.
0: Oh, sorry. What did I say? Women's Party. <laughs> the Women's Journal 2.0 was a newspaper. Women's Journal was a new was the newspaper the Women's Party itself created way back when to make sure that that suffrage became a reality and uh they stopped publishing the newspaper and basically stopped using the value of the party once they won suffrage so they were an issue party they were an issue newspaper and i think this this podcast women's journal 2.0 is meant to convey even by its title that it's time for us to get back to that very focused um, activism that has Take No Prisoners as its underlying philosophy. We will not be dragged dragged like lemmings, but behind uh, the letter D or the letter R. We will only be dragged behind the letter W, and we will fight until equality is a reality, period. And then it doesn't matter. You know, then, like, once we get that done, we can do all sorts of stuff. But until we have equality, nothing else we fight for matters, it just I,
1: I agree with you 100%. And I think there are a lot of women that might feel that way, but that are not necessarily clued into what's going on. And there's so many things that are that are taking their attention. Least of all, they now are working at home, trying to have children go to school at home. I mean, the whole thing is is out of hand. So I just want to say that this hashtag publish ERA campaign is a way for you to maybe do something quick and easy. Just film yourself with your phone saying, please, Biden-Harris, direct the archivist to publish the ERA as the 28th Amendment and send it to us, send it to t at equalmeansequal.com or Kamala at EqualMeansEqual.com, or Wendy at EqualMeansEqual.com, and we will calendar your video. Make sure it gets up there. You can join our Slack channel. All of this information will be available in the show notes. Um, But you can join our Slack channel, and then every day you can pick up a video and amplify it through your social network so that the Biden-Harris administration has nowhere to hide and has to stand behind what they've said, publish the ERA, and move this ball forward for women once and for all.
0: I love it. I love it. I'm so proud of you for coming up with this idea. I'm so excited that people have been doing these little videos, and we're not telling you to... You know, say what we want you to say. We're just making one very simple point, and it's not complicated. Just pick up your phone or use your laptop and say, "Mr. Biden, we think." I, 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 no, let me back I'll up. I'll
1: read it. I'll read
0: it. But no, but I, I want to be, be imp. I want to be imp. I just want to be impromptu about it because I want to say that to people, you don't have to use a script. Just use your heart. And use your common important,
1: sense. It's important to use the phraseology, direct the yes. archivist of the United States to publish the Equal Rights Amendment as the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution. Yes, yes. However. On else, January 27th.
0: However else you do your videos, I just want to be clear to our listeners, however else you do your videos, you can use any language you want. You can say, I'm Mary Jones from Utah. And I just want to make one request of you, President Biden and Vice President Harris, please, please, all you have to do is make a phone call to the archivist of the United States. Tell him to publish the Equal Rights Amendment as the 28th Amendment to the United States Constitution. That's it. Easy. Please do it. Women have been waiting long enough please. You said you support women's equality. You promised to help with the ERA. This is one way you can help. And it only takes a phone call, please. That's not complicated. People can do that. And I think they, you know, they they don't realize how easy it is to make a little video and, and, and have a voice. Because it will have
1: a big voice. Because what happens is your video gets calendared on the Equal Means Equal publish ERA calendar, and then all the members of our Slack channel, which will be hundreds and thousands of people, will go in and pick up your video and post it on their social media. So we have like a 60-day calendar. Um, We can have as many people per day as possible, and we have the list of more than 40 of the incoming um team biden harris team we have their social media ready to plug in and we're just gonna every day we're gonna be like publish era hi we're the publish era hi we're the publish era hi where did you publish and is it done yet is it done yet did you do it yet just be like oh my god can we shut these people up call the goddamn archivist hey david ferrero Publish that damn thing so we can stop hearing from these women all
0: day. <laughs> I would love it. it. I would love it. Hey, if that's the reason they publish just to shut us up, I'll take it. I, I think people. One one thing I'll clarify um, just to make sure people know the difference. The difference is important between the word publish and almost anything else. Like sometimes you'll see people on social media or in the press say certify and do this and that. The reason publish matters is because that's what the law says the archivist must do. That's the word, publish the ERA, publish it, period. And it doesn't require certification. It doesn't require any process. You don't have to go to court. You don't have to go through any rigmarole. There's no bureaucracy. There's nothing. There's just a phone call. President Biden to the archivist, his subordinate, David Ferrero, published the ERA, Hang up the phone. Done. That's how simple we're talking about. One
1: and done.
0: Let's do it. And on that note, we thank you
1: so much for listening to us here at Women's Journal 2.0. We ask you to keep your heart in the ERA fight because we are so close, close than we'd, closer than we've ever been, and it's because of you and all the things you've done and sticking by us and supporting us, and we thank you. Have a very happy holiday.
0: Yes, yes. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, whatever that means to you this year. Cook turkey with a vengeance just to protest this damn virus and, and smile. Smile at your big pile of food that you'll have nobody around to eat. <laughs> oh no.
1: I disagree. Don't kill any turkeys. Don't eat any animals. Well <laughs> just we, love know, each other. Love each we, other. We love you, and we thank you we And have no you we have
0: it. We have no strong feelings about how you do your Thanksgiving. Whatever makes you happy. Come on now, I don't even eat turkey. But people, they got to do what eat they got to do. Want.
1: I just don't
0: want to eat them, eat the poor animals. All right. I don't I, I, I don't disagree. But we love you at uh, <laughs> Women's Journal 2.0. We're glad you can laugh along with us. This is serious business, but we're leaving you with a big smile. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Women's Journal 2.0.
1: A new podcast to educate and mobilize the fight for equal rights under the law. Produced by Grant Murphy. Please subscribe, share with your network, and help build support for the ERA.
0: To learn more and join the fight, go to equalmeansequals.org and sign up for our newsletter. And
1: follow Wendy Murphy on Twitter at WMurphyLaw.
0: Thank you. See you next time.